my friend and brother put me in the back of the taxi and something happened, a fight broke out outside the cab. I got out and it's really all that I remember of, of that night. I mean, my memory's pretty hazy up to that point, but it goes black after that. Usually when I start a podcast on my beloved Dirty Linen, um, I'm feeling kind of interested and excited and curious. Um, I think today I would also add to that feeling nervous, um, which is yeah a little bit of a, a new feeling for me when I'm having these cosy chats. My guest today is Dominic Walker, and I suppose I'll just start by saying how I came upon Dom. Um, it was just doing a little bit of uh, Instagram rabbit holing. Um, I came upon a discussion that was being planned around agroecology and I thought, yeah, Dom could be a great person to have on the producers because he's a farmer at Y Farm in Victoria. But when I ch um, had a little pre-chat with Dom and I asked him if there was anything uh, that I might perhaps need to know before we scheduled our chat, uh, he said, well, yes, actually there is. Um, there's a big thing that, um, yeah, that Don did that's happened in his life that um, made me want to move this conversation from the producers to Dirty Linen because I feel like we need to have a bit of a big conversation. So Dom, a bit of a long intro, but welcome to Dirty Linen. Hi Danny, thanks for having me. So I know that, you know, in your background you've got a agriculture degree from Melbourne Uni, you've got a master's in food systems um, from New York and you're really interested in, in agroecology. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your background and, and, and these interests of yours? Sure, thanks. Yeah, um, I think my studies in food really kicked off my kind of intense interest in agriculture and the food system. Back in 2015, I was kind of bumbling through life as a um, finishing my bachelor's degree in arts and not really knowing what to do with myself or what to make of the world. And I was making pickles of all things, uh, organic ferments, the sauerkrauts and kimchi with a friend of mine. And that, I suppose, led me down a bit of a rabbit hole into the food we eat, where it comes from, what um, what it does for our health and what the implications of that agriculture are for the planet. Um, that, <laughs> I suppose, kicked off what's now a, a lifelong journey into agriculture and more recently into what you've described as, as agroecology, which for me sort of formed, I suppose, or maybe synthesized all the different ideas that I had in, um, in my head about food and farming and um, I suppose social justice and community building. And when I started reading about agroecology, it was like a bit of an aha moment, I suppose, that feeling of, ah, yes, this makes sense. <laughs> this finally puts some um, words to what were otherwise pretty uh, disparate or conflicting ideas about um, agriculture and farming and the environment. So I suppose what was really attractive or um, interesting for me about agroecology was really that it's not just about farming or growing food in harmony with nature. It's also about 
um, human dignity and about an idea, a broader idea of, of equity and social justice and how we can work together to build a food system that serves everyone. Um, yeah. So it, it, <laughs> I just don't know how to have this conversation. It sounds so noble and dignified and good, but then there is this huge thing that you did that, that, I guess, is not aligned with those principles. Can you tell us about that? Sure, sure. Um, I think I'll, I'll just dive straight in. I'm not sure how else to do it. But for me, my life changed drastically overnight in 2018 when I made a catastrophic mistake. I, um, I got in a fight and I put another man's life at risk and – I ultimately spent 12 months in prison um, as a result of that. In, in 2018, I was living and working in, in Guatemala, in Guatemala City. It was my first kind of big adult job out of, out of uni, out of studies. And it was a real adventure. And I was working for a coffee company, delivering trainings on um, climate change resilience to coffee farming families in El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala. It was just, you know, a fantastic job and fantastic opportunity. And I really loved the work, but on a personal level, I just wasn't coping. I was, I think, deeply lonely and um, suffering from anxiety and depression and self-medicating with alcohol, drinking heavily, incredibly heavily and, and abusing prescription, um, anxiety medication. And when my contract was up in that gig, I, I suppose I kind of thought to myself, I, I think I need to get home. I, I, I need some help. Um, I'm not doing so good. And so I traveled home. I made the choice to pack everything up and, and move back to Melbourne. And uh, I flew home and on the day that I got back, um, for some reason that I think I'll probably never understand, my brother and I decided that it was a good idea to go to the football, um, not to stay home and have dinner with the family that I was ostensibly coming home to see, but to go out and get very drunk um, at, at the footy. And so we did. We went and um, proceeded to drink heavily and uh, throughout the game and then after. And uh, we ultimately got kicked out of the footy sometime after midnight. I was um, pretty incoherent at that point and falling all over the place. And my friend and I, my friend and brother uh, went to basically get me home, put me in a taxi, go home. And I think they were going to continue on. But they put me in the back of the taxi and something happened. A fight broke out outside the cab. I got out and that's really all that I remember of, of that night. I mean, my memory's pretty hazy up to that point. But it goes black after that. And I woke up the next day in this kind of state of perplexity with a deep sense that something bad had happened that wasn't quite sure what, but it wasn't good. And 
I looked at my phone and there was a message and a friend had sent me a video and it said something like, is this you? I clicked on a link and watched the video and immediately thought, no, that, that's not me, that can't be. And then it's kind of sick realization that, that it was. And it's a video of me carrying out a very violent assault. Um, and it's something that I think anyone who watches will have a, including myself, a kind of visceral physical reaction to it. It's, it's horrifying to this day. And yeah, my brother and I, I suppose really spent that day in a complete spin, just not knowing what to do, who to tell, who to talk to. Um, and that problem was solved for us when the police rocked up at our family home that evening and we were both arrested um, and taken to Melbourne police station um, and, and both charged. And that night in, in those police cells is, is what, yeah, I would describe as, as rock bottom. Um, not knowing what had happened to that other man, if he was okay, if, you know, yeah, if he was okay. Um, and of course, what, you know, what would happen to us? We, we got released that evening. Um, it'd been released. The, the man who was, who I'd assaulted was released from hospital and then we, we got bail. Um, and then long legal process, began and about 12 months later I pled, pled guilty to two charges of assault and um, was sentenced to a year in prison. I was released in uh, 2020 and I've just been piecing things together since then and, and as you say kind of navigating <laughs> life after. Dom it's so it's so intense and, I mean, when you told me, you're like, well, yeah, you, there is something you need to know and you gave me, you know, this sketched out the details of what had happened and I did recall it from the news but I hadn't ever watched the video. I went back and watched it and, as you say, it's it's horrific, it's sickening. Um, and when you see, I mean, the Herald Sun just like, you know, persisting calling you footy thug, it's a pretty easy description. Um, uh I mean, how do you, how do you go, how do you move forward with this? How do you reconcile this um, act with the person that you want to be? Mm. Um, it's a really good question, and forgive me if my answer's sort of long and potentially um, non-linear, because I think my experience of trying to reconcile it hasn't been linear. Uh, it's been a, a cyclical process of um, trying to find acceptance, but I think like any kind of major shock or, or life event, there's, there's um, yeah, this, I suppose I'd best describe it as a cycle of, of, all those other kind of maelstrom of 
feelings that that come with it of denial of shame of anger um before you can kind of get to any place of of acceptance and um i would probably just still it down into into three sort of phases or almost three themes um that come to mind when i think about you know how do i reconcile it and and the first has been that journey to to accepting responsibility and self acceptance and for me those two things have have gone hand in hand um as i say initially you know you have this kind of you know charged reaction of 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 this is not me this is not my character um but ultimately you know those maneuvers around it for one of a better word um i think are self protective and the the sooner we can sit with it um and for me that was really sitting with the reality of the facts that my behavior that night put another person's life at risk and i think also the acknowledgement that the single luckiest most gracious element of the whole thing was that it wasn't so much worse that um that he didn't die basically so i suppose the horror of what could have been um really helped kind of I suppose in a in a in a real sense kind of sit me down and uh also yeah create create the space to have those challenging conversations with myself that I think in many ways I've been avoiding for a really long time and yeah this event <laughs> was almost a catalyst for trying to um trying to find some self-acceptance and self-love that was otherwise missing. And you know, you talk about the <laughs> the the media and the Herald Sun, I think in a really sort of strange way having a social chorus telling you that you know good um almost forced me to sort of dig into that and and find the parts of myself that were good and 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 sit with them and accept them and try and sort of integrate those two things. Um yes, I did this horrible thing, but how am I going to live with it? What am I going to make of it? How am I going to grow? So that would be the first step, I suppose, is sitting with the discomfort of the negative emotions like shame and finding space to accept them not shy away from them and it was very tempting <laughs> to do that to to shy away to deny to sort of abdicate responsibility but once i was able to sit with those feelings um i think i was able to accept it and accept responsibility and try and move forward um i didn't do that alone i think the second i suppose the second theme um would be you know surrounding yourself with people who who love you and can help you on that process i uh, have an amazingly supportive family and a really tight knit group of friends who 
you know, sat with me and held hands and cried and just tried to make sense of it all together. And then about three months before going to prison, I met my now partner, Becky, and on the second date told her, you know, everything. And she's been on this journey with me ever since and just the most kind of wonderful, supportive person. So having that real support has also helped with that first step of of acceptance. And I think the third thing for me is a very real obligation to try and make it right. Um, I guess it's an idea about reparation. You know, what am I going to do to make it right? And so that's really where I suppose bringing it back to that, that sense of purpose. Um, it's really about just doing good work that, that ultimately tries to make the world a better place for other people. Um, yeah, sorry. That was probably <laughs> rambling, but that's, that's the three things that I would. Yeah. I mean, come. I'd say it's not really rambling. It's, it's pretty articulate. And obviously you've, I mean, you've, you've thought a lot about it. I mean, what else would there have been to think about, I guess? Um, I have so many conflicting feelings. You know, I suppose uh, I, f- I think, you know, what you did so obviously awful and wrong. Um, there's a real um, instinct to turn away from that and I suppose to write you off as a person like a bad guy. Um, but I guess there's also this idea of, you know, redemption and I suppose most people could probably look at something or a number of things they've done in their life that they're not proud of and that they'd like to um, unpick and turn around and, and make make good. Um, I mean, what you did is much worse than most people would do. In It's really very stark and very awful. Um, but I guess, you know, what is there to do but to go on and to try to make the best of it and... I mean, yeah, what does it mean to try to lead a good life? Um, I mean, they're very big questions, I suppose. You know, at least you've had the courage to look at them properly um, and to try to, yeah, make something positive out of something so horrible. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think the choices are really limited in a way. You you can either shy away from something and, and walk the other way and choose to uh, step out of society perhaps or, you know, move to a different state or go and find a job somewhere that um, will keep you out of the public eye. Or I think, you know, what I've tried to do is, I mean, just I suppose accept it and try and walk with it and that's not always easy. It's It's this massive part of my life that I don't think I've fully integrated by any means, but at the same time, I don't want to just pretend that it didn't happen or try and hide it somehow or, um, yeah, or walk away. I think, I think the imperative for me was already there in terms of, in terms of doing something positive with my life. I think I was, kind of on this seeking adventure some somewhere along the way I got lost in that and it led me down 
a pretty grim path. And, you know, in spite of that, I think I've just tried to come back to that, um, I suppose, sentiment. And it's really solidified it in many ways now that I feel, <laughs> feel like um, there's no other choice really but just to try and make the best of it. Well, let's talk about Y Farm. Um, yeah, tell us about the name and tell us about what you do. Sure. Well, I, perhaps I've already alluded to it in that sense of um, searching or uh, searching for purpose. I think Y Farm is really my initially personal interrogation of that question. Why farm? Why farming? Why agroecological farming? And it's really about, I mean, for me, I think I found a clarity of purpose in, in agroecology. And I think I'm endlessly curious about what drives other people to agriculture, to cooking, to eating, to doing things differently. So it started really as an inquiry, um, which is probably evident in, in the name. Um, and it's evolving. I think currently I'm raising some beef cattle on um, my parents' property on a beautiful slice of Tungaron country up in the northeast of Victoria and documenting the process along the way. Um, there's a lot of learning <laughs> involved in, in trying to farm for real. I have an academic background and not necessarily the practical um, knowledge of how to string up an electric fence or how to move cattle in a small yard or how to, um, how to market a, a beef product. So I really just wanted to document the journey and to talk about food and farming and agroecology in a way that is approachable to a, a wider audience. Um, there's a, the widest possible audience is, is eaters. We all eat, if we're lucky, I guess three times a day, but some of us less and some of us more, but we all do it. And I think in the food systems world, we kind of I'm guilty of getting caught up in the bubble, but um, I wanted to find a way to talk about um, everything that's involved in farming. And what's, what are some of the things that you have been talking about or some of the conversations that you know you want to have around this? Um, I think initially it's that sense of wonder and the sense that you really don't know what you don't know. Um, there's been so many learnings along the way, so many sort of little vignettes or snippets or or stories that um, arise just in, in, in the everyday life of, of, of trying to do um, farming. So talking about those, um, talking about those things, one, I mean, one thing that I'm really sort of fascinated by at the moment is just the simple joy of seeing nature do its work. We had this patch of thistles um, on our on our property in, in one paddock and it was huge. It was this massive thicket and the impulse is to go in there. And what chemical do we need? What, you know, how can we get rid of these thistles? This is not good. This is not what we want. And, you know, after kind of searching around 
the internet Facebook groups of, of region ag, it's actually a really sort of uh, common indicator about um, landscape and how it's working. So we just decided to do nothing and um, leave them, let them do their thing. And coming back this year, so a year later, come back and all the thistles have, have browned off and disappeared and there's this amazing lush green grass pasture under where they were. So it's just telling the stories like that. I mean, for me, it was all kind of ephemeral in a way. I know that there are practices out there. I know that there are people out there doing these things, but, but what are the things? You know, <laughs> what are some of the examples? So that's, um, that's a powerful one at the moment. Another one is... I suppose the reality of, of raising an animal for slaughter. Um, we'll be finishing our first steers later this year and finding that I'm feeling quite confronted by that. And, you know, as a lifelong sort of meat eater and enthusiast, the idea that, you know, this creature that you've raised and cared for is, is going to be meat, um, is not all that comfortable. So I'm really, yeah, interested in just documenting that journey. Um, yeah, I mean, it is, I suppose it's that, yeah, it's like it's honouring that life with, a, with, um, with you know, a, a, good, a good life and a good death. And um, But, yeah, they are really big questions, especially when those big brown eyes are, are looking, <laughs> looking straight into your soul. <laughs> Yeah, we're raising belted Galloways, which are particularly good-looking cattle. I mean, they're all good-looking, really, but those eyes are massive and I've just been sitting in the paddock um, trying to, I suppose, get to know them, but it's challenging. <laughs> Not ready. Um, I mean, what do you think you're going to do about that? Um, I think press on. I think... Um, I mean, for us, cattle have been a really, I suppose, important landscape management tool. We're following um, holistic plant grazing and seeing great results in, in bringing our um, what was quite degraded um, soils back to some vibrancy of life. So, I mean, I think, and as I say, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm quite passionate about meat as a food so i think i think really pressing on and 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 um yeah confronting those feelings and and then making an assessment <laughs> you know given your personal story do you feel like like you know can farming save a person is that you know is it as it's it feels like a cliche you know like back to the earth back to back to what's real um the soil in your hands but i mean is there something in that i mean there are all these cliches and they all ring true so <laughs> i have found it um a really generative and healing experience um just being outside feeling that connection to nature uh also the natural rhythms of of work with lots of times to to think and reflect maybe sometimes too much time. But, um, yeah, the power of being outside and, and learning a place and learning the plant names, learning the bird calls, watching the change of seasons. I mean, for me, I, <laughs> I never thought I'd be excited about 
um, a waddle bloom, but evidently I am really excited about the acacia that's about to come out on our place and this explosion of color that happens each year. So I've found it, I found it to be incredibly um, powerful and healing, but I think in the same breath, I think it's also crucial to acknowledge the incredible privilege that comes with that opportunity. I mean, how many people have access to that kind of experience in nature? Um, so I think there's also a mandate that comes with, with that personal experience, which is to ask how can I create opportunities for other people and in particular First Nations people to have a rewarding healing and, and generative experience on the land and on country. Um, yeah, I mean, it's probably important to say that you do have a really privileged background, um, like a legal family, and obviously you mentioned your, your parents have got this land that is really privileged. I mean, yeah, what what do you do with that? How do you reconcile that? I mean, even the fact that your family stuck by you and supported you. I mean, I cannot imagine, like, that it's you and your brother involved in this terrible incident I mean (laughs) that's um yeah I mean obviously they live with that every day Mm, yeah of course and I mean it's been um it's been a really challenging experience for for I suppose for all of us individually but equally as a family but there's also been a um again like a, a powerful I suppose, connectivity that's come with the experience, you know, you almost get forged together by, um, you know, you're confronted by this external, um, for one of, I mean, it wasn't external, it was entirely internal, but then it becomes external in in the sort of public eye. Um, so yeah, I think we really kind of forged together in, in through that experience. Um, in terms of reconciling the privilege, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, that's really the question, isn't it? It's, it's, for me, it's like, what are we going to do? Um, how are we going to open this place up to others so that they can, um, so that they can share in, in these experiences on this place? Um, and again, in, in, you know, in my work in the food system, it's about how can we create access, not just to, land and experiences um in nature but to good and healthy food i mean that's that's just a massive challenge that we're all confronted with right now but something that i'm pretty passionate about and engaged with so again i mean yeah it's a tricky one kind of step back and say like this is this is ludicrous (laughs) and i think every i suppose um landholder in that country is confronted with that um, reality of the history of this country and what does it mean to own land as, um, with the colonial legacy that we have. So, and these are questions that we're constantly navigating and um, now it's time to take action. And it's sort of <laughs> now it's time to start building relationships with traditional owners and um, having meaningful cultural exchange and growing enough food that we can donate some of it, you know? Yeah, I guess, yeah, 
where I suppose, yeah, it has to be done like the inequalities in at all levels of society and certainly in the food systems are something that I guess we're all implicated in. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, have you made any overtures? Are you, are you beginning those relationships? Yeah, we've just started um, to reach out to different groups and really hopeful that, um, and I'm you know also conscious that it will be a long, it's a long-term process over a long period of time. But, you know, as a family, we're really committed to that process. And as an individual, I'm also really committed to having these hard conversations. So, I mean, yeah, I think, I think you know, as eaters or as a society, you know, this is what we're confronted with at the moment is this challenge of of managing our common resources, our environment. And I think in order to do that and to get serious about building a community that's founded on mutual aid, we need to get serious about distributing those resources better. So I suppose for me, as a, I'm very conscious that in, in regenerative agriculture, it seems like there's a lot of white men raising cattle and here I am as a white man raising cattle. So, you know, I think it's about more than that and it has to be about more than that. Um, so I think, yeah, that's the kind of challenge that we're confronted with as, as landholders and farmers, but also as eaters and participants in this economy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think back to, you know, when you're in Central America with your sort of academic approach to saving the world um and you obviously you know so much has happened since then like how do you sort of look back on those you know the the past years and and where you've got to um well that time overseas was really formative and as much as I think I sort of on a personal level um wasn't in a particularly good place, I was also learning a lot and there are experiences that I can kind of bring to my work today. In Guatemala, our work was about working with coffee farming families and decision-making and the same principles apply to the work that I'm currently doing with um, Melbourne Farmers Markets. We work with lots of small producers and faced with very similar challenges, albeit on a completely different scale to um, small producers in Central America. So sort of general rules tend to apply across the board. Everyone's struggling with the impacts of climate change. Everyone's struggling with market impacts. Everyone's struggling with supply chain issues. So I think there is a kind of universality to um, the challenges that we confront in the food system. So, I mean, I'm very grateful for those experiences and for having, yeah, perhaps the approach is different now, but the ends is the same. And Dom, you know, looking forward, like what are your hopes and dreams for for yourself and for the farm? Um, for the farm, it, the initial hope is to build some soil life. We... Um, came onto the property and it had in sort of very typical fashion been um, grazed very heavily and neglected for a long period of time and sprayed intensively with all sorts of chemicals. So it's really about 
bring some function back to the ecology. And, and most of that is just about sitting back and doing not much. We're obviously rotating our cattle across the property and applying a few sort of biological stimulants at, at different times. But other than that, it's really letting nature do its work. So just excited to, to see that process in motion. Um, and then, of course, raising some some good quality beef. I mean, that's not easy. Finishing finishing cattle on grass is a challenge and we are rookies. So that's going to be a steep learning curve. But I'm, I suppose I'm just excited about about the learning that is involved in doing something like that and also hopeful that on a personal level I can document that and then share it. I'm really sort of um, inspired by the idea of transparency in this space and feel like there's enough space for other um, people like um, people who want to get involved to to do so so that's another thing that i'm really excited for um for our property is to also see what other um enterprises could fit if some if there was a if there was a young person or don't have to be young but that wanted to come along and say raise some meat chickens or do some eggs there's, there's definitely space and opportunity for that so i think it's about creating an environment of opportunity and collaboration and and what about for yourself like i mean I feel like if I met you, like, would I be scared of you? Would I? Would there be? Would I be scared of this thing that was in you, or is it something that's in all of us? Like, I don't know. Like, how, what? How do you? What about your personal hopes for for yourself and and for your future? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm not sure if that question's really for me to answer, but I think if you met me, um, even with the knowledge of of you know what I've done and, and what happened, I'm hopeful that you know you'd be able to find a way for it to fit with the rest of me. I think you know as humans, we're all fallible, and I'm not going to say that everyone has it in them, but we all are capable of making mistakes. And um, yeah, as I said, it's really about how you how you live with it and how you, how you move on. So I'm hopeful that, that if you met me, we'd, um, yeah, be able to have a good yarn and share some good food and, um, it would all sort of fade into insignificance. I know that that's not going to be the experience for everyone, but, um, yeah, I don't, I'm not quite sure how it, how it will evolve over the, over the years. I mean, on a personal level, as I say, there's kind of been this this journey towards reconciling it, but now it's also just about, I suppose, building building my life, my personal life, and and living it. I mean, my partner and I are um, thinking about having kids in a couple of years, so it's also you know I'm very conscious of of how do I um, not only learn to make a, a living off the land, but also kind of get to a place where I would be confident to be a father. So, I mean, that's, I suppose that's where I'm at in, in this, uh, in this journey. Um, well, thanks, Dom. Thanks for, thanks for talking with us today. Is there anything that you haven't said that you think is important to say? Anything else you'd like to, to get out there? Um, 
I mean, I just think it's important in the alternative regenerative agroecological farming space that we find ways to work together. We're an incredibly small niche in a very big agricultural landscape. And I think in order for us to manage a significant amount of land in the way that, you know, we know is good for the environment and good for people that we need to do it together. So how can we meaningfully collaborate? So if anyone has ideas about that, I would like to reach out or would is interested in doing some farming, um, you know, I encourage them to get in touch. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dom. Um, really, I'm really glad that we had this chat. Thanks, Danny, and thanks for creating the space and giving me the opportunity to talk. I understand that it, many people would probably turn away and you didn't, so thank you. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.